0: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on qsportstalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe.
1: You know, he's playing starters, minutes,
0: both games. It, It doesn't matter who starts, it matters who's playing and who's, you know, he stays around the basket. That's, that's what he does and that's where the ball is and that's where he gets some rebounds. Benny wants to play out 15 to 18 feet and there's no rebounds out there. And you know Malik is doing what we need him to do. That's Jim Bayheim last night following a first time double double from uh, somebody just kind of knows where to be on the basketball court. At all times, and that's pretty much around the basket in his case. That's Malik Brown, of course, who had 11 points, 12 rebounds last night. Syracuse got a much-needed win, a much-wanted win, and Notre Dame is next. And, you know, we just want to talk all matters Syracuse basketball. We turn to this man who you can find on the digital pages of Syracuse.com in your post-standard newspaper. We still print that thing and has become, as of late, uh, one of my uh, Buffalo Bills texting buddies. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the legend Mike Waters back with us here. Hello, Michael. How are you?
1: yes brent uh we i have fired off a few text messages to you but (laughs) i fire off those text messages because when it comes to bill i want to know if like you know i want to know what the expert is thinking uh or at least at least like maybe like the craziest man in town, you know, is thinking. You so know you
0: have my number and Matt Perino's number saved under the same thing. Apparently, is
1: is what you're saying. And I don't bother Matt during the I'm You know, listen, <laughs> you I know, know. I know, you know I'm
0: to... all fired up and, and coming at it. So <laughs> I got some group texts I can add you to if you really want to see some crazy Bills fans. Uh, that's yeah, I
1: don't know if I'm ready for that yet.
0: <laughs> I hate group texts, but the one group text I like is my Bills group text, which uh, that gets a little nutty, especially on game day. So.
1: Uh, just if you ever I know want how to be in text goes, You no that's okay I'm in enough group text <laughs> and the funny thing is is I don't think I contribute anything to any of them so um except when they start firing off during a Syracuse basketball game and I'm on deadline and working it's really annoying the
0: worst <laughs> the worst totally with you there. But that's a whole different topic oh for different lord time.
1: well yes we brought writer problem exactly
0: exactly writer problem exactly uh, we brought it up there out of the shoot, Mike, and I wanted to ask you about this. I have uh, been a supporter of what Jim Beheim has said there, that it doesn't matter who starts, it matters who's in when the game essentially matters or who earns those minutes, who's in there in the big spots. Let me ask you, is, is that something, by and large, there's exceptions to all rules, I think, but by and large, is that something that you think is, is the better way to go as well?
1: I do i I buy into it. It's fine. listen if this is the way that he started the year with this lineup, there really isn't a need to start like adjusting your starting lineup for just for the sake of a uh, of adjusting the starting. I mean, if Malik Brown is gonna play thirty three minutes thirty four minutes against Virginia Tech coming off a game down at Virginia where he played like thirty six minutes or something like that. Hey, you listen. To you. You're gonna you're gonna turn to Malik Brown and you go, "Would you like to play 36 minutes and not start, or 14 minutes and start?" I I know which one he's gonna take. And, and I, Or you can even ask him, "Hey, do you want to play 36 minutes and start, or 36 minutes and not start?" He'd be like, oh, "I I don't care either way." And I talked to Malik after the game down at Virginia on Saturday. Because that was the game where Benny Williams was ill and wasn't going to play at all, and they knew that. So they did have to adjust the starting lineup. And Jim Beheim talked about didn't want to give a freshman his first career start in a game about seven miles from where he played high school ball in front of about 80 friends and family. Maybe that was a little too much. Just wanted to keep Malik in that familiar role of watching the beginning of the game, seeing what the other team's doing, maybe sitting alongside an Adrian Autry or an Alan Griffin and let them point out, hey, listen, remember in the scouting report when we said Virginia did X, Y, and Z? Well, that's X and that's Y and that's Z. See it? Okay. Uh, And and you let John Bull get the start. And and Malik appreciated that. He got it. He totally understood it. I mean, would would a part of him have loved to, like, get a, a little cheer from that cheering section? If he was introduced with the starters, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, he played 36 minutes and played well. You know, so I don't see, and we've seen Jim Beheim do this before. I've seen a lot of other coaches do this before. They adjust the minutes over the course of the season before they start fooling around with um, um, changing their starting lineup. There's always the danger of losing the kid who loses that starting job, and he really doesn't do anything really for the kid on the bench who's getting more time anyway.
0: Now on to Benny Williams, coming off the sick game, so keep that in mind here, but this goes well beyond that, what we've seen earlier in the year. He's had his moments for sure, but just hasn't really done what's being asked of him or what they want him to do. We're still at that point where Jim even said it again last night. So I still think there's a role for Benny on this team, just maybe we're seeing a change before our very eyes. What do you see?
1: I see a kid who's got a lot of ability, a lot of, athletics, a lot of athleticism, uh, improved shooting, but he hardly played at all as a freshman. Now, I'm not going to say that makes him a freshman now because you're 17 games into your sophomore year, but you're still at the course in your development where you're, you're just, you're, it's there, but it's not going to be there on a consistent basis. You're going to be up and down. The great thing is is now with Malik Brown, if Benny's on a down game like he was last night, and maybe he still wasn't 100% healthy coming off the stomach bug, but you have a Malik to send in there. And in between the two of them, you're kind of thinking, okay, we're going to be fine at power forward. We're not totally reliant on one guy, especially an inexperienced guy, whether it's Benny or Malik. Um, Benny's going to get there. You know, I, I think he's close. And, listen, he had a great second half against Boston College just over a week ago. And I wrote about him after that game and, you know, saying his praises. And there, there are, there's been times this season where you see Benny Williams, and I've had this conversation with, with Adrian Autry recently. I'm like, wow, you know, I would call Adrian like the day after a game and want to kind of go over what he saw with his forward kids. And, like, boy, the way Benny Williams played last night, People are really going to not want to play against him next year, mm. and and Adrian will wholeheartedly agree. You know, so I think they just see a young kid that's just in the developmental stage still. And that's frustrating. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's one of like because you know it's there. You know, you've you've had teenagers. I have a teenage daughter, and there's certain things you're like, man, I know you can do this because I've seen it, but you're just not quite ready to do it consistently. Like I'm teaching my daughter how to drive right now, so it's just like, all right, deep breath, going to you're going to get there, right? But you just kind of have to ride it out until they do. And I think that's that's kind of the same thing with Benny at this point. Uh, Jesse Edwards was back, you know, to where. You need him to be right. I think there's, you know, with Jesse's off his game just a little bit, you kind of say, oh boy, that's not good. And you know, but he's that's a credit to him, Mike, that he's reached the level that if he doesn't have a double double, you start to say, okay, either he got in foul trouble or something happened there. But look, when you are getting that much attention from opposing defenses and all things considered, it's going to be an adjustment for him as well. Did Malik Brown's game help that last night, or what did you see with Jesse kind of getting back in the flow?
1: You know, I thought, first of all, Syracuse had a more concerted effort to get him the ball. And Virginia Tech didn't do exactly the same thing Virginia did. I didn't see Virginia Tech push him out uh, physically. You know, they didn't have, you know, the Virginia uh, kid, Caden Shedrick, uh, who they could put behind him and really cause Jesse problems as a shot blocker and a guy who could also move him off the low block. They did have the one kid, Grant Basile, who had a great game, but he's not the same kind of defender that Shedrick is. You know, Jesse had a better game. It was a bounce-back game from the one down at Virginia. You know, some of his numbers looked great. You know, the 13 points, the nine rebounds, of course, a career-high six assists uh, was, was pretty amazing. Um, you know, some of those were kick-out, the three-point shooters who were making shots. Yeah, it wasn't a great game, though, for Jesse overall. It mean, four of ten from the field is not your typical Jesse Edwards game. Now, it looks better. It, it, he shoots 50% if he makes the dunk that he threw off the back of the rim and then held onto the rim. Yeah, there was a couple uh,
0: shots that just bounced he, out too that he normally makes,
1: yeah. It, it could have been easily a 6-for-10 or 7-for-10 night, and he's got about 18 or 19 points, and then it's an amazing game. Yeah, um, It was a good game. Good overall numbers, a little bit of a bounce back. It still wasn't like Jesse's best game of the year. But he's, he's you know, it was a little off there for a couple games. And then the Virginia one was the bottom out game. But this team's going to need him. Because even as they're starting to look at some of the younger players contributing a little bit more consistently at the forward spots, especially this team is still a group that, can really only rely, no going in, that they've got three guys who can score, and that's Gerard, Judah Mintz, and it's been Jesse. Uh, So they really need Jesse to be that third consistent guy night in and night out.
0: Mike Waters, Syracuse.com, joining us here. Of course, read the latest there and follow Mike on Twitter for the latest on Syracuse basketball, Mike Waters, SYR. Like, we're not necessarily supposed to be fans in, in our positions, right? But I'm sorry. I, I'm a fan of Judah Mintz's game and how he plays the game and how hard he plays the game. And I just think there's a, there's a baseline there that even when he's air quotes off, he can make up for in a lot of ways. Like, I didn't think he had a particularly great game last night. I didn't think he had a bad game last night, but – consistently you look in the box score after the game and he's where he was. Okay. Got 12 points. He's in double figures for the ninth straight night. He'll do something every game. What at this point with ACC play kicking in and harder defenses and everything that he's heard so much about, would you put Judah Mintz in his development as somebody who got thrown right into the fire from day one?
1: I think overall Judah Mintz has just done a great job as a freshman point guard. Um, through 17 games. I mean, his numbers are solid, better than solid in some cases. I mean, scoring between 15 and 16 points a game. He's improved in terms of his ball handling early in the year. There was some turnover issues. You know, every once in a while they'll they'll pop back up again. But overall, he's very close to a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. I don't think he's quite there, but still – you know, you also have to remember he's the point guard on a team that doesn't have a ton of three-point shooters. He's got Joe Girard, and then he's got a bunch of guys who don't shoot a whole lot of threes, and they've been in some of them, been inconsistent. So, Judah doesn't get all those easy assists that some point guards get. If, like, all they're doing, like, you know, last year, Joe Girard got a ton of easy assists. Throw the ball to Buddy. Throw the ball to Cole Slider. Cole Swider at six foot nine rises up and makes 40% of his threes while taking about 200 of them. That's a lot of assists for Joe Girard. Um Judas, though, you know what I like about Judah and what he has to continue to do. And I know he will, because he's got this mindset when things are going rough, when teams are hounding you and harassing you and trying to take advantage of the freshman point guard, attack back, put the ball on the floor. Don't fool around with it. Don't, Pity-pat the ball in front of your defender. Akihei Clark will strip you naked. Uh, you know, other guys in the league will, will, would love to see you like mess around with the ball. Just take the ball and attack back. Drive. And with his size and athleticism, he's got... It's not exactly the Johnny Flynn burst, mm. but it is really a, a, a pretty good first step. It's a little bit longer because he's a little taller than Johnny. He He goes from... You know that first instinctive move that first dribble it, 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 he can get by his guy and boy when he does he finishes so well at the basket uh, left hand or right hand reverse layups uh, he's got a lot of, of moves so a way to get his shot off on that drive and I just think that's that's what you have to do to make other teams pay it's kind of like when everything else fails go to your strength and he does and you know, every once in a while he'd go a little bit too dribble crazy. And that's when he's doing crossover, 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 you know. It's like he's combining a, uh, an imitation of Pearl Washington with Tim Hardaway with somebody else all at once. And it's like, no, no, stop doing that and just go. And when he does, man, he's, he's tough to stop.
0: Mike, one of uh, your uh, weekly tasks for us at Syracuse.com is you do the ACC power rankings, and the league has been interesting this year. Now, we're only five, six games in a league play, but these teams are halfway through their seasons, right? So you can get somewhat of an assessment of what the ACC is. So let me ask you that loaded question. What is your like, overall impression of what ACC basketball is right now?
1: They don't have a great team. Uh, Last year, when the league was down in air quotes, and it was, you still had Duke, uh, and maybe a couple other teams that were like hanging around, right? But Duke was like the really good team all last year, and you know. And then, of course, in the tournament, you had Miami make the Elite Eight, and Carolina makes the championship game, and all of a sudden, the league, you know, kind of like you know, bolstered its reputation there with its postseason play. This year, you don't really have that bona fide top 10 team. A few teams have been there, but they've, slipped, they've sloughed off. You know, Virginia was, was ranked in the top three. Now they're just outside the top 10. Duke was high beginning of the year. They draw. of course, Carolina went from number one to unranked. But you've had teams that are there. I, I think they've got a lot of teams who could eventually win one or two games if not more, in the NCAA tournament. But I don't think your, your reputation right now isn't up there with, like, the Big 12, which has a lot of, right now, you know, teams that look great. Teams that are like, wow, how many Big 12 teams do you think could actually make the Final Four? Well, let's start ticking them off, and it's, and it's a lot. And with, with the ACC, it's not the same thing. It's more like, well, how many teams do you think going to make the tournament? Well, it's going to be six, seven, maybe eight. But... You know, I think there's a few teams in this league that could do some damage. Um, Don't discount Duke just yet. They've got a lot of young talent, and they've lost a couple games here and there, dropped a few on the road. Everybody got, you know, really blown away when North Carolina State blew them out of the building about a week and a half ago. Uh, that's like, oh, okay, you know, Duke's not Duke anymore. Well, no, they're not, but they're young. And, and you know, watch Kyle Filipowski, Derek Lively, Derek Whitehead. These are all really talented freshmen. I think Duke could be a team that by the end of the season could, could do some damage. And, you know, Carolina's got to get Armando Bacot back. But then there's other team. I, I like Virginia, um, I like Miami. I'm still trying to decide whether I believe in, Cle- in Clemson or not. They're number one <laughs> yeah, in the uh, poll this week. I know. Yeah. I know. And they and I put it. them there. Yeah. And it was my poll. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, we'll see. You know, I want to see them, you know, see how they do. A few more games. Uh, maybe play some of the very top teams in the league. Let's see how they do when they see Duke and Virginia and a couple others like that. We'll, sure. we'll see. But. Um, but I tell you what, the team that always goes, you know, off the radar and, and can be good in certain years is Miami, and and like just like last year, man, they made the Elite Eight. Um, why, why I like this Miami team, Syracuse is going to play them next Monday night. I think they're really good, um, and I I love the backcourt of Nigel Pack and Isaiah Long.
0: Michael, always appreciate the time, always appreciate the insight, and uh, I will uh, talk to you via text on Sunday when um, uh, Mike, big fan of Ken Dorsey, Buffalo Bills offense coordinator, huge fan so I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll anticipate those texts from you when <laughs> we watch the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, big fan, big, fan. big uh, fan. Yeah, yeah, love the play calling. That's when you get texts from me.
0: That's, that's pretty much 90% of the texts I get.
1: Yeah, it's like not a football guy. It's like I text you to see if, like, me, if my opinion is right. And
0: most of the time <laughs> it is. Most of the time you and I write in line. So uh, talk to you Sunday, my friend. Thank you. All right, Brent. Talk to you later. There Bye now. Goes, the great Mike Waters, folks. Syracuse.com, but you knew that already. Break, come back. Keep the conversations rolling, and we will switch gears to New York sports with the one and only John Dostromsky. We call him JJ. Stay right there.